0: Today is Thursday, June 13, 2019. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. I have a laundry list of stuff. I'm going to show you some really, really cool stuff today. The type of stuff where if you're really a student of the markets or you're trying to be a student of the markets, you're going to look at this and you're going to say, Huh? And then you're going to see how for Inside the Numbers members, we picked it up, not necessarily in real time, but in as near real time as we can. Of course, we have to address the important 289. That's going to be a big topic of conversation. We're going to discuss what I see happening in the near term, just the same as we did last night. And what you'll see is it actually happened last night. We'll discuss what's coming up in the following several trading sessions, meaning into next week. There's important stuff going on. We're going to talk about all of it. Let's start right where we are. We're now above, on close today, 289. 289 was an important number. It was a bogey. It was whatever you want to call it. We know that above 289 is bullish. Below 289 is not now i want to clear something up because some people hear what they want to hear but they don't necessarily hear what i say we're trading in and around 289 a close above a close below that doesn't mean the market's going to shoot up to the moon above and it doesn't mean the market's going to fall out of bed below we also discuss the fact that the market hasn't been rejected from this area so we're hanging around that's been a big topic of conversation we're hanging around 289 289 is important and what we said in no uncertain terms is there's a bigger move coming and it's going to happen from 289 now let's open up the hood and see what's really going on under the market what we can expect going forward into as early as tomorrow morning before we do that All I want to do first is take a look at a different chart. I want to show you what I mentioned about last night. We talked about a bearish pattern yesterday. Here's a 60-minute chart, and we looked at the bearish pattern, and we said, if this was going to trade down from a symmetrical standpoint, where would it wind up? That's about what we came up with. We came up with somewhere in the vicinity of the middle of this specific candle. It was right around that... 286 and a half, give or take something in that neighborhood. Now, here's where you're gonna go. You gotta be kidding me. This is the continuous S&P e-mini futures contract. So this pretty much trades around the clock with minor exception at the end of the day. Now, just so we get to feel out where we are, here we are currently trading at 2895 as I make this video. Looks like price is headed higher, correct? Yes, it does. We're above all the moving averages on this hourly chart. Looks like price is heading higher. We'll get back to that in a moment. What we want to discuss is where price was last night. Well, look at here. In the middle of the night, this is 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The low happened to be 28.67 and a quarter. Well, how do we translate 28.67 and a quarter to the SPY chart. Well, it's pretty simple. It's one tenth. The SPY is trading at about $289. It's about one tenth of the futures contract, give or take a little bit of a spread for the futures aspect of things. Let's see what we come up with 28.67 and a quarter divided by 10. Pretty simple math, no magic. The final answer is 286.725. Here's that SPY chart again, and that horizontal trend line that we built out of market symmetry is at 286.60. We didn't do anything to the penny, we just eyeballed it and put it there, and this is what happened. It happened in the middle of the night. Most people aren't paying attention to things like that. I am what do I do with that information I give it to inside the numbers members so pre-market morning notes I reiterate what we discussed we discussed the short-term bearish pattern we looked at the symmetry here's the information you need to know the futures market actually did the exact thing that was outlined using the SPY in last night's video the futures dipped recovered and are back above the important number And then I go on to say, we'll see what happens this morning, but over the magic number, this must be of note. It's bullish. So, of course, we have to look at both sides. It could be a trick-trap fool and frustrate. However, I'm saying they did it when nobody was looking. Can they head back upstairs and make another effort at the big fat round number of 2,900 and beyond? Yes, they've done this type of thing before. And then I go on to remind traders, remember from last night, short-term bearish, longer-term was not. And then while we're here, real quick, we did have one of the stocks on the move today hit its target. It was Altria, M-O, Big Mo. Little trade, but a positive and easy trade. We'll take a look at the chart. Why not? All right, let's get back to business over here. I didn't show you everything that's in the report for the Inside the Numbers members, but I did open it up for everybody to see today because I think there's important information in there and I want everybody to understand what the thought process is and hopefully it'll be helpful. If you're on the mailing list, you got an email telling you that you can go see Inside the Numbers. Now, if the short term was bearish and they really did, take care of that in the middle of the night when nobody was looking, and the longer term is bullish, then I can certainly make a case, even in the short term, meaning leading up into tomorrow, that this is a bullish pattern that wants to bring price up in the northern direction higher, maybe to challenge these former highs just from the other day. But that's just one chart, one viewpoint Let's look around the horn and see what else we can find. I'm going to jump around a little bit, but back to the daily chart. I want you to look at this. This is the SPY daily chart. We see that reversal candle. It looks like an ugly reversal candle. We talked about it last night. It didn't necessarily have the elements we're looking for, and we haven't been rejected, yada, 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 but I want to show you something slightly different. This is the daily chart of the E-mini futures contract. Doesn't this look like it's working its way higher? It consolidated over the 50-period moving average. It looks, from a visual standpoint, like it's working its way higher. It's obvious to me that any hourly close below today's low and something entirely different is going on. Until and unless that happens. And by the way, we even have the magic SPY 289 to hang our hat on before that. This S&P E-mini futures contract happens to be September. We're in the process of rolling from one contract to the next. So the numbers here aren't going to necessarily jive with the outgoing contract, which happens to be the June contract. And what that does is it makes it so for whatever the reason or however they do it, there seems to always be a little jockeying for position around a contract roll. Maybe that's what we saw last night in the futures. Maybe it's not. We don't really know. We don't really care. What we do know is that it did happen. Let's go back to the 240-minute chart and have this discussion. We're above the magic number of 289. Fair enough. Where are they likely headed? Well, we have a breakdown candle, don't we? Are they likely headed toward the top of the breakdown candle? Well, I'll leave it like this. If they're not going to get below 289 and head in the southern direction, then they're going to do the opposite and they're going to head for the high of the breakdown candle. Here's a 120-minute chart and you can see some of the same things that we've already been discussing, a bullish pattern potentially building some energy to go to the high of the breakdown candle right up here somewhere, somewhere in this neighborhood. We don't know exactly where to the penny, but we do know that that's where the market is telling us right now it's heading. As long as we stay above 289, that's my story. I'm sticking to it. couple of other items that are worth discussing. Just to put in perspective what happened and what some might believe actually happened for the reason it happened. We were here, now we're here, at the time everybody believed that we were down here... As a result of Mexico tariffs. Is that really the case? Were we really down here because of Mexico tariffs? And are we really up here because there are no Mexico tariffs right now? Maybe. That's just what the news cycle was at the time. The market, at least in my estimation, is headed for a destination. 289 wasn't it. It's currently my belief that that destination is actually higher. Now here comes the next question. Are we going to make new highs and is the downside over? Is the correction over? No. Once everybody believes the correction is over and once everybody believes we're going to new highs, we'll likely do it all over again. Also on tap next week, we have the Fed. Kabuki Theater. What's the prevailing discussion? What's the prevailing wisdom out there? The Fed is going to maintain an easy money policy some way, somehow. We've talked about it before. All of a sudden, they're not tightening. All of a sudden, they're discussing an easy money policy, what they call an accommodative policy. The tail wags the dog. The tail is the market. The dog is the Fed. What other evidence do we have out there? Well, let's take a look over in Camp IWM. We're headed up into the moving averages that we've been discussing every single day for the last four or five trading sessions. Are we positive they're going to get there? No, we're never positive anything's going to happen, but let's look deeper. Let's look farther at what we find. Well, here's what we find. Another day where we have relative strength in the IWM. We discussed this yesterday. We're now discussing it again today. Relative strength against the SPY, the SPY was up less than one half of 1% or the Spider, or the S&P cash index. However you want to look at it, the IWM was up about 1%. Here's something else that's interesting. Look where the IWM is in relation to where the SPY is to that breakdown candle. We're already at the top of the breakdown candle. Is the IWM leading the market higher? That's what this chart is telling me. If we get any kind of rally in the morning and we begin closing hourly above this high in the IWM, and the high I'm referring to is right here, 153.23, if we begin closing hourly above 153.23, it's bullish and they're likely going higher into and deep into these moving averages, likely into the 50 period moving average. For comparison purposes, here's the 240-minute chart of the IWM. You can see where we are in comparison to the SPY. Now, there is a lot of overhead resistance, but how is it likely the market can get through the overhead resistance? If it can't get there during the day by beating or driving into resistance, trying to grind its way through, sometimes it just gaps over it and you get a gap and go relative strength in the IWM. It's of note, it's definitely a puzzle piece. It was on the table yesterday, it remains on the table. How about the VIX? We've been discussing the fact that this is setting up to go lower. Would we be interested to buy the VIX down in the area we discussed previously, below 15, 14 and a half, 1475, here's the deal. The longer it goes sideways, the lower I'm going to want to pick it up. And I am going to want to pick it up. How about the transportation department? Similar to the VIX. Relative strength. Up about 1%. Same deal as yesterday. Relative strength against the SPY. Trading up into the moving averages. Same routine we just discussed in the IWM. Canary in the coal mine. My two favorite market-leading indicators are giving us the clues the last two days in a row. By the way, before we move on, what happens if we get above the high of this breakdown candle, whether it's tomorrow or next week? Who knows? If, in fact, the market does gap higher, just for argument's sake, we don't know that it will or it won't, but what if it does? We need to be prepared what happens if it begins closing hourly or just blows through the high of that breakdown candle? Well, I alluded to this already once or twice this week. There's at least another 30-40, maybe 50 handles of S&P on the upside. We'll call it 2940, 2950. That is possible in a melt-up. What are the components of a melt-up? Panic buying, short covering, I'm missing the rally, hop on board. Not saying all that happens in one day. I'm just saying if, in fact, we begin closing hourly above that price, that would be your new bogey, meaning any hourly closes back below that price and there's no more upside in the immediate future. But as long as you stay above that price, then there would likely be a vacuum to the upside. And I say this a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but you know how I say... When it feels really, really wrong, it's generally right. And when it feels really, really right, it's generally wrong. It's really, really hard to believe the market can have another melt-up from where we are right now. So using that logic, it feels really, really wrong right now to be long the market. Notwithstanding all the reasons that we already discussed, I'm just saying after the kind of run that we already had, 180 and S&P points from low to high so far. Hard to believe it could keep going. So that, in a sense, feels really, really wrong. We'll see what happens. Any information from Silicon Valley? Not really. We're just hanging around the 50-period moving average. Was up half a percent today. Pretty much on par with the S&P 500. So we get no new information from the queues today, one way or the other. Move on. Here we go, the XLF. We've been discussing the XLF. We've been discussing the fact that as long as the XLF was above all those moving averages, it was going to be very, very hard to see the market fall out of bed, to see a trapdoor open up and everybody fall through. And we're watching the close based on the weekly close, meaning tomorrow, 27.50 is the number. Basically, it's a couple of pennies, but 27.50 on a rounded basis ...is the number, and guess what? We were already there this week, and we're still above the moving averages after a couple of down days. It's interesting, we were up a third of a percent today, so we can't really get any information one way or the other about relative strength or weakness, but what we do know is that the XLF is in an uptrend, and it is not telling us today that the market's falling out of bed. We've been discussing that. This has been a canary in the coal mine. It has been a puzzle piece. It is on the table. What would a common sense market analysis video be without a divergence? It would be at minimum of boring. So here's a divergence, the SMH down 1% today. As far as everything else we've looked at, it really is the only divergence today. We'll list it for now as an outlier and move on. Since we're on the topic of divergences, I figured we would take a look at the 30-year treasury bond. This is the actual price of the bond itself, not the yield. Yield would look opposite the price of the bond. So yields are low, price of bonds are high. This chart's in an uptrend, it's headed higher, There's no sign that it's going to fall out of bed anytime soon. The moving averages are pointed higher. They're moving higher. And as long as this continues, it's a divergence from everything else that we discussed minus the SMH. So what do we do with that information? Well, we don't have to actually do anything with that information today, but we need to know about it. It's a big puzzle piece. It's on the table. It's telling us, There is trouble out there. The market just hasn't figured it out yet or realized it or nobody told the market yet. Or the other side of that is the bond market turns around, heads lower, has a correction and yields instead of being in the gutter start headed back upward in the northern direction. Not necessarily skyrocketing, but just head north. But one thing's for sure we're unlikely to continue seeing a rally in the bond market and a rally in the stock market continue for a very long period of time. Days, weeks, sure. But in the larger scheme of things, it's not going to happen. And I know some of the questions that are going to come up or some of the statements are going to come up. Before, when the Fed had an easy money policy and rates were being pushed down, the market did rally and you're 100% right. So let's talk about rates. Here's the 10-year Treasury note yield. The chart looks the same as the 30-year. It's not the point. Here's the point. This can certainly go lower, but if the Fed came out and said they were gonna cut rates, which they may do, maybe not next week, but they may cut rates. But if they said that now, how much lower are they going to go? The rate market is actually ahead of the Fed ever saying they're going to actually, or doing, cutting rates. And here's the deal. Let's go back to take a look at the stock market and have the next conversation. If you just take a really, really long-term view, a really holistic view, you would say, why would the Fed cut rates at market highs? Sure, we're a few points off market highs, but in the big scheme of things, We're at the highs. Why would the Fed cut rates at market highs? What are they trying to accomplish? So what would happen is people would actually begin to think, what's wrong? Why are they cutting rates? Maybe they're ahead of the curve. Maybe they see something we don't know. And all of a sudden, the stock market gets spooked. It's complete projection. It's hypotheticals. But we've seen all that kind of stuff unfold before. So we're actually not discussing some crazy outlandish thing. We're discussing, believe it or not, garden variety market behavior. And that seems like an appropriate time for a seventh inning stretch. So I'll give it a wrap here. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis.